everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Babes Who Manifest podcast. I am your host, Luanza, aka The Gratitude Chick. Don't forget to follow me on all of my social media platforms, Facebook and Instagram at The Gratitude Chick, Twitter, Gratitude underscore Chick, and TikTok, Babes Who Manifest. Also coming to Amazon is my new children's book, My Little Thankful Heart, a book for kids seven and under on gratitude. Follow my social media platforms for release dates. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of your reading corner with the Gratitude Chick. So today we are continuing in the book, Maximize Your Potential Through the Power of Your Subconscious Mind. And we are on chapter number six. As a reminder, I do read with my own commentary. So chapter six is pretty long. So more than likely it it will cover the next two or three, three, at least three episodes. Okay, there's no free lunch is the title. There is one thing you cannot have. That is something for nothing. As the old saying goes, there is no such thing as a free lunch. Some time ago, I was in a store and they offered a pack of blades free if you took two tubes of shaving cream. Well, of course, they can't give blades for free, as you know. That's included in the overall price. At least it's included in the overall price of running business or in the customer's charge. Nothing is free. If you want to be wealthy, you must pay the price for wealth. If you want success, there is a price for that. Whatever it is you desire, you must give your attention, devotion, and loyalty to it. Then you will get a response, of course. The price is recognition. The price is belief and conviction. There is always a price to be paid. Nothing at all is free. Salvation, people say it's free. No, it isn't. By grace, are you saved through faith? Grace simply means that the love, the light, and the glory of the infinite responds to any person who calls upon it. Call upon me, I will answer you. I will be with you in trouble. I will set you on high because you have known my name. Grace simply means the response of supreme intelligence to your conscious thinking and acting. It's available to everybody. It's not vouchsafed to certain people because of religious affiliation, creed, or dogma. The nature of infinite intelligence is responsiveness. It responds to all people. When you try to learn to walk or when you learn to swim or dance, you repeat the thought pattern, act again and again. Now you say it is second nature. Second nature is the response of your subconscious mind to your conscious thinking and acting. Just like to drive an automobile, you do not now touch the car with intensity or grip the wheel with intensity. Not at all. You touch it lightly. Actually, it's your subconscious mind driving the car. And I will, I definitely will agree with this. Sometimes, you know, when I'm driving, especially if it's a long distance, um, I will go off in my mind in an entire daydream. And the next thing I know, I'm at home. And it's just like, girl, if you don't pay attention while you're driving, because 
first of all, this is Atlanta traffic. That's number one. And then secondly, how did you get here and you have no memory of driving? You have a memory of partially driving in that you remember getting in the car, turning it on and driving away. But all of that traffic that you went through, stop and go, lights and all that, you didn't break any rules, but here you are at home. And your mind, my like my conscious mind was in a daydream. So my subconscious mind had to have brought me home, right? That, I mean, that's how I thought about it for years. Like somebody was driving. <laughs> okay. It's effortless effort. In other words, it's effort without tension or stress. You paid the price, didn't you? In attention, devotion, and loyalty to a principle and stick-to-itiveness determination. Now you are able to drive the car, ride a bicycle, swim, or play music blindfolded. You repeated a thought pattern again and again with your fingers. Now you play automatically. It's your subconscious playing. So we pay the price for everything, recognition, acceptance, and conviction. Give your attention, your devotion, and your loyalty to any subject, and it will yield its secrets back to you. If you do not give your attention to a particular subject, whether it's chemistry, physics, or mathematics, your job or the business in which you are engaged will remain in darkness regarding that particular subject. Mrs. Manier was a wonderful teacher in New York City. She lived in the Lucerne Hotel where I lived for a time in New York, and I used to speak to her occasionally. She had a friend who would visit her, borrow books, and would accept the old clothes that Mrs. Manier gave her. I said to her one time, why doesn't this woman listen to you, to your teaching? She doesn't have to wear your old clothes. Well, she said, she's unwilling to pay the price. She's unwilling to give attention. She's unwilling to apply these truths. She prefers old clothes to wisdom. I think Mrs. Manier was right. She preferred old clothes, secondhand umbrellas, and things of that nature to the application of the mental and spiritual laws. All she had to do was give attention, devotion, and interest to the great truths. She didn't pay the price. She was unwilling to pay the price. Now, and I and I will say this. A lot of times people and, and even and even my even me, we are so used to to um the circumstances that we are in. We're used to you know, crying, we are used to being sad, we are used to, you know, counting pennies, we are used to not having enough money, we are used to these things, so it is, it becomes commonplace in our lives, it is just a part of daily life, you know, so many, if, if you just go online and look at some of these, you know, comments and, and, um, you know, when they're talking about, celebrities and things that celebrities have and just read the comments it is commonplace for them to sit and want what these celebrities have but their what they speak is out of the mindset of being broke and and because they have these broke mindsets they do nothing to fix them so they like he says they don't pay the price to try to be something different because this is commonplace to them. It is literally just a part of their daily life. And because they're used to this, this is just like, like he said, it's, it's, it's so, it's, um, I don't want to say they're subconscious acting it because it's not, it's not that it is, it is 
maybe it is. It is just something that they have practiced so much in their daily life that it is just second nature. That's what I'm trying to say. It is second nature to them. And it is part of them to be broke. It is part of them to think broke. It is part of them to think that this person has something that I don't have. That's why they're rich and famous. It is part of them to believe that. And because they have said it, they've felt it, and they've believed it, it has become their reality. That's true of many people. Mrs. Muneer was very sympathetic and more or less kept on giving her these old clothes because, I suppose, of sympathy, which, of course, didn't do the person any good. At a summer seminar on the powers of your subconscious mind in Denver some years ago, a woman said to me, I could have anything I want if I'd only believe I had it in my mind. I explained to her that the only thing you cannot have in life is something for nothing. You can't. You have to pay the price. She had been praying for a healing of a skin condition for 10 years with no results. She had applied various astringent lotions and other topical medication without any appreciable relief. The woman had never paid the price. The price for healing is faith in the infinite healing presence. Did you guys hear that? The price for healing is faith in God. For according to your faith or belief, is it done unto you? Now, faith is not in a creed, dogma, a church, or a person, or anything of that nature. If you have faith, for example, in in chemistry, don't you study the laws of chemistry, attraction, repulsion, and so on? Of course you do. And you bring forth marvelous compounds that bless humanity in countless ways. Your faith grows as you give attention to the great principles of chemistry, which are the same yesterday, today, and forever. So faith is attention, devotion, and loyalty to the one creative power. You have faith when you know thoughts are things. What you feel, you attract. What you imagine, you become. You have faith when you know that any idea emotionalized or felt as true is deposited in the subconscious mind and comes forth as form function, experience, and event. Then you would have faith in the creative laws of your own mind. You will have faith that an infinite intelligence is responsive to your thought. When you call upon it, it answers you, and you have definite faith and belief in that. For example, people have been lost in the jungle, and they had faith that they would be directed and guided out of the place. They had no compass or sextant, didn't know anything about stars, where the northern star was or anything. But some sat down and said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He will lead me back to my battalion. He will lead me to safety. He is guiding me now. And they followed the lead, that feeling that comes when you call on the supreme intelligence. And they were led to the water where the river was flowing. They would follow the river and be rescued. That's the guiding principle. They paid the price, didn't they? recognition attention to it calling upon it because if you do not call upon it and recognize it it's the same as if it were not there for this infinite intelligence will do nothing for you except through you the price this woman had to pay was recognition of the power of the infinite acceptance of that healing presence and conviction that the healing is taking place now She had been giving power to externals, saying, My skin is sensitive to the sun. I am allergic to cold weather. I believe this eczema is all over my arm due to heredity. 
my mother had a similar condition. It's my genes and chromosomes that are at fault. And I know I've told you the story of one of my aunts who developed diabetes because she felt it was hereditary because my grandmother developed type 2 diabetes. And because she felt it was hereditary, she developed it. And then she tried to tell me I was going to have it. And I told her, "Um, no, ma'am, I'm going to rebuke that. You can claim sickness if you want to. She is not going to do that. I am healthy. And even to this day, I do not have diabetes. And this was almost 20 years ago um, that she did this. And she developed diabetes, and she told her daughter her daughter developed diabetes because she said it was hereditary. Once you start saying things like that, then um, people will say, oh, well, then I'm, I'm going to get it because this person had it, this person had it. And that's, to me, how, you know, people have cancers and stuff that they say are hereditary, and then the next thing you know, every person in the family has the cancer because they accept that based on their genes, they're going to get it because this person had it, this person, and they all believed it. Be it unto you as you believe. Her mind was divided. She was double-minded. And the Bible says, let not that man think he will receive anything of the Lord, for a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. She had never paid the price, which was to give her attention to the infinite healing presence and the law of her own subconscious to trust that law and believe in the healing presence presence and that it would respond and come to pass she began to pray as follows the infinite healing presence which created my body and all its organs knows all the processes and functions of my body i'm sorry if you hear all of that it's a plane i live around the military so they do exercises every now and again I'm going to restart that. The infinite healing presence which created my body and all its organs knows all the processes and functions of my body. I claim, feel, and know definitely and absolutely that the infinite grandeur and glory of the infinite are made manifest in my mind and body. The wholeness, vitality, and life of the infinite flow through me now and every atom of my being is transformed by the infinite healing presence. I fully and freely forgive everyone and I pour out life, love, truth, and beauty to all my relatives and in-laws. I know that I have forgiven everyone because I can meet the person in my mind and there is no longer any sting. I give thanks for the healing which is taking place now and I know that when I call, the answer comes. So with this, um, the reason why I definitely believe these um, affirmations that he gives in his books work is because they are all-encompassing. They work much better than um, the, some of these affirmations that are like one-liners because these are all-encompassing, you know, and they're very descriptive, And which is why I am using his book to give affirmations once a week. And that's why I urge you guys to do those affirmations because they're all encompassing. And I do want to say one of the things that she said in in this affirmation, she said, I pour out life, love, truth, and beauty to all my relatives and in-laws. With Here is my thing. If we can look at disease and say, oh, this is hereditary, why can't we look at things like the fruits of the 
spirit and say, this is hereditary. It is hereditary for my mother to pass me love and joy and happiness and peace. Why is that not hereditary? Why can't we believe that it is hereditary for my family to pass me love, joy, happiness, peace, health, great health and wisdom? Why can't that be it? I would say that is something that we should choose to pass down to our children and tell them that's hereditary. It is hereditary for me to give you, for you to feel loved and joy and peace and happiness and grateful. That is hereditary. Those are the hereditary things that we need to absorb into ourselves and pass to our children. Not disease. Not any belief in disease. She repeated this prayer slowly, quietly, and reverently several times a day. She told me prior to my leaving Denver that a remarkable change for the better had come over her being mentally and physically and a completely and a complete healing began to take place before her eyes. And this is why I tell you guys with the affirmation that I give you once a week, say it three times in a row and a minimum of six times a day because you're covering all of the day, morning, night, and then mid-morning and afternoon. You're covering the entire day when you do it three times in a row, six times per day. And the reason why I say three times in a row, because I read something a while back from um, Abraham and Esther Hicks that said that um, if you hold a thought for 17 seconds, it activates the manifestation, which is why I tell every time I give an affirmation, I say, do it three times in a row. Because by the time you reach the third time, you've already exhausted the 17 seconds. So three times in a row is, to me, ideal. And if you do it three times in a row, six times per day, at that point, you've done it 18 times, right? So that's all day long. And make sure you do it in the morning, at night, and then four other times throughout the day. That is not, this is the price. This is the price that you're paying to have to change um, your mindset, the entire goal of affirmations is to create new assumptions and to change our mindset. If you want to go from a broke mindset to a prosperity abundance mindset, use the affirmations for, for money, abundance, and prosperity. But when you say those three times in a row, six times per day, by the time that you put in your payment of the, the days or weeks, your mindset is going to start changing. And if you have if you have been doing the affirmations every week, the way that I've t- told you, at this point we're on week thirteen. You're you can tell that your body has changed, your mind has changed, mind has, and I don't even do it as often as I'm recommending. I am I try to get back in the swing of it, but I feel that sometimes my vibes are so high throughout the day that I just don't do it. But it's that's wrong that's wrong thinking for me. So I am getting back on the schedule of doing it three times in a row, six times a day. Because I noticed that in the beginning when I started, my mindset was totally different than 13 weeks later now. So imagine what this entire year will do. If you are just now listening to me, start now, start today. You don't have to have started the 52 weeks. You can start that anytime because I'm giving it to you. I am reading it out to you. So whenever you're ready to start week one, start week one. 
And I'm telling you guys, it works. I am living proof. 13 weeks ago, I had a different mindset than I have right now. And one day, I will give you guys a complete testimony. I will. I'm just not ready to give it just now. Okay. She had to pay the price by studying and reading her mind to receive the gift of healing. Heretofore, her mind was divided in its allegiance. She was giving power to diet, the climate, heredity, and other factors. She began to understand that the scientific thinker does not make the phenomenal world or any external thing a cause. The cause of all is the spirit within, the God presence. God is first cause and all-powerful, supreme, and omnipotent. There is nothing to oppose it, challenge it, thwart it, or vitiate it. The moment you postulate another power, you are divided in your mind. Your subconscious does not respond to your divided and confused mind. It does not take it from me. I have been a double-minded man in my past. I have had opposing thoughts. And this is what I keep trying to tell. This is what I keep trying to say in my in, in, in my recordings. Your thoughts and your words must align. They have to. That you cannot get what you want when your thoughts and your words don't align. They must be simpatico. They have to be. Because at this point, you're sending out too many messages and the universe isn't going to move. So if what you want in your mind and your most dominant thought is what you want, you can't come out of your mouth and say, I, I'm not ever going to get it. Because at this point, what's going to happen? How are you going to get what you want when your mouth is not claiming what your mind is claiming? And again, that's the whole reason why we're doing the affirmation challenge so that we can change our mindsets. And this week's affirmation is about money. So if you haven't started week 13's affirmation, go back on Sunday and look at that week 13's affirmation. It is about money. Your subconscious does not respond to your divided and confused mind. If you begin to press the up and down buttons in an elevator, you would not go up or down, but remain where you are. Faith comes through understanding the laws of your mind and applying them diligently in all your affairs. You can grow in faith in the same way that I mentioned previously, that a chemist grows in his knowledge of chemistry or in physics or mathematics, enabling the researcher to bring forth wonderful compounds from the alleviation of human misery, as well as removing the drudgery of life. Scientists are gradually growing in faith by constant research into the laws of nature, and they are accomplishing great things. Farmers have to deposit seeds in the ground in order to get a harvest. They must determine whether they are going to have wheat, oat, or barley. They make the decision and then plant the seed in the ground. They have to give to get. They have to give to the soil. In order for you to receive, you must first give to your mind. Before you can receive wealth, you must first impress your subconscious mind with the idea of wealth. And how do you do that? Affirmations, affirmations, affirmation. 
Whatever is impressed on the subconscious mind is expressed on the screen of space. You have things you know by right of consciousness only. You must build the mental equivalent into your mentality, whatever it is you want. You do this by giving your attention and devotion to health, wealth, peace, harmony, or anything you want in life. For the infinite is within you. The gift has been given. God is the giver and the gift. You are the receiver. What can you give God? You can't give God anything. God is that infinite presence and power in all, over all, through all, all in all, the life principle, the progenitor, the father of all. What on earth could you give the infinite? So before that, he was saying, um, you, he said, you do this by giving your attention and devotion to health, wealth, peace, and harmony. And again, how do you give your attention to these things? You use affirmations, you meditate, and you visualize. These are three, th- three things that you can do right now to start your mindset shift. I give you affirmations once a week. Do those affirmations three times in a row, six times per day. Boom, you knock that out. Meditate. Meditate in the morning when you first wake up. Meditate at night before you go to sleep. Meditate on wealth. Meditate on health, whatever you're trying to manifest. And then visualize. Visualize yourself having what it is that you are, what you are asking for. Having your desire. If your your desire is more money, how much more money? If you're looking for a few thousand dollars, visualize what you're spending that money on. That's how you visualize money. Because uh, I can't I can't say that some people can't visualize just having stacks of money. Sure, that's fine. But to me, it is, and this is just my opinion, it is um, easier and. Um, maybe more powerful to visualize what you'll do with that money. So if you um, are looking for $100,000 to buy a car, um, and I know that's, to me that's a lot of money for a car, but <clears throat> you may want a specific car. Your The goal in your visualization is that you have this money and now you're going on a test drive and you see yourself you know, writing the check or however you're going to pay for the, the, cat, the um, car. You see that. And you drive away with the car. That and then you visualize yourself driving through your city with the car that you now own. Or if the $100,000 is for a down payment on a house. Or whatever it is, the amount of money. See yourself in the end result with the money and purchasing the item that you want for that money. Item or items. See that. That is the visualization you need to do in order to impress upon your subconscious mind that this is what I want. Okay. It's all things to all humankind. It's everything. It's the blade of grass. It's the apple. It's the air. It's the seed. It's everything. The whole world was here when you were born. The only thing you can give God or the living spirit within you is recognition, honor, loyalty, and devotion. That's the only thing God promises us. Call upon me. I will answer you. I will be with you in trouble and set you on high because you have known my name. The name is the nature of it. The nature is to respond to you. You are told before you call, I will answer. While you are yet speaking, I will hear. So the answer is already within you. The answer to any problem under the sun. Intuition is within you. You can be taught. 
from within. Telepathy is within you. Clairvoyance, all these faculties are within you. You can change. Change your mind and you change your body and change everything. Change your thoughts and keep them changed. All that any person can desire is already present in that divine presence within you in which you live and move and have your being. God lives, moves, and has being in you. God is the life principle, the progenitor, the living spirit almighty within you. For God is spirit. They that worship him, worship him in spirit and in truth. The very fact that you desire something is proof of the existence of that which you desire. The act of desiring on your part brings about a response from the, from the supreme intelligence within you. The eternal knows what things you have need of before you ask. The need is already satisfied. The gift has been given, for God is the giver and the gift, and you are the receiver. All things are ready if the mind is ready to receive them. Wealth and prosperity are now. Health is now. Peace is now. The healing presence is within you. Love is now. Joy is now. And power is now. Are you going to wait for the power of the Almighty to flow through you? It's within you. Say, the power of the Almighty is flowing through me now. The power of the Almighty is flowing through me now. Are you going to wait for peace? Say, someday you'll have peace of mind. No, I don't want to say that. The God of peace. Now I have peace of mind. Now. The God of peace is within you and that river of peace is flowing through you now. So the gift is already there. God is the giver and the gift. God dwells within you. So all things are ready if the mind is open to receive them. Accept peace and poise now. Accept inspiration now. Guidance now and success now. You must open your eyes. You must open your heart and receive. If you have something in both hands, you must drop something to pick up something, mustn't you? You must get rid of the false beliefs in your mind and accept the truth, which is for all things are ready if the mind is open to them. Ready your mind to accept the gift. The healing power of God is within you. It heals the cut on your finger. It's right there. When the surgeon removes a tumor, he says, nature will heal you. He does not, but I get what he's saying. He removes the block, so you will always get a response. You have perhaps experienced this that you try to solve a particular problem. You racked your brain, so to speak. You asked others to help you. You looked up all the books. You tried to find a solution that the scientist or the chemist or the pharmacist sometimes does, or the research pharmacologist or the doctor or the surgeon or the business manager. You struggle with the problem. You try to get an answer and then you are exhausted. You sort of give up and you turn it over to the deeper mind. You go off to sleep, perhaps. Sometimes the answer comes to you in a dream, in a vision of the night. It comes to you sometimes as you awaken in the morning. It pops into your mind like toast out of a toaster. This happens over and over and over again. You paid the price, attention, devotion, loyalty, and recognition of the supreme intelligence that alone knows the answer. When you surrender, when you give up, when you turn it over and say, there is that within me that knows, and then the answer comes, you engage supreme intelligence and an infinite presence and power. 
which responded to you. So you gave it attention and you got the answer. Einstein loved mathematics and it revealed its secrets to him. He was engrossed and fascinated with the universe and its laws. The unified theory came to him like a flash of lightning into his conscious and reasoning mind. He gave his attention, devotion, and industry to the subject of time, space, and fourth dimension, and his subconscious responded by revealing the secrets of these subjects to him. Edison experimented, meditated on, and explained the principle of electricity. He had an intense desire to light up the world and serve humankind, and electricity yielded its secrets to him. He paid the price by perseverance, stick-to-itiveness, and confidence, knowing that the answer would come. Yes, he gave it attention and devotion too. He loved that principle of electricity, and of course he brought forth countless inventions because he paid the price of attention, stick-to-itiveness, and complete dedication to his project, knowing in his heart and soul there was a subject, intelligence, that would respond. He kept on keeping on, and his deeper mind never failed him. Here's another example of how faith in an idea made millions for one man, and through it helped countless others increase their wealth. Sir John Templeton is a man who has great faith in his talent to make sound and profitable investments. Now in his 90s, he is devoting his remaining years and millions of dollars to seeking a synergism of science and faith. Sir John has been a British subject since 1963 when he chose to live in the Bahamas, a British possession. The Queen knighted him for his international financial and philanthropic achievements. And what is so crazy to me is that the same Queen he's referencing in this book is the same Queen of England right now. This lady has been the Queen for so long. I just thought I would make mention of that because that is crazy to me that we are speaking of the same queen when this book was written like over 50 years ago. Okay. The queen knighted him for his international financial and philanthropic achievements. When asked about his success, he commented, I just use common sense, whether it's investing other people's money or trying to understand the spiritual principles of the universe. Templeton believes God made the world to run on basic moral laws that if followed bring spiritual integrity and also material success. He thinks of spirituality as an applied science to learn and study like mechanics or engineering. I agree with this. There are so many things that I think could be adjusted and taken out of the curriculum of high school. To me, High school is now just the precursor of college. It kind of forces you to have to go to college. When in in other countries, and I want to say, I can't even remember. I don't know if it's in in um, England or I'm not sure, but it it was a country that I read about somewhere in Europe um, where they take um, what we call our pre-classes, you know, from college, they take those in high school. So by the time they get to college, their kind of their master's programs is their college. And I think to me, I think that high school should do a better job of giving these kids things that they can do so they are not forced to spend 
hundreds of thousands of dollars on college should they not want to go? You know what I mean? Give them, when they come out, give them, you know, the trades. You know what I mean? Instead of having a trade school, give that to them in high school. Uh, there, there's just so many things. I'm sorry, I'm going way off. But I think that these some of these things should be taught in high school. Like he's saying, you know, taxes and money, the issue. Those, these things should be taught in high school. Anyway, I'm way off subject. <laughs> let me let me go back to reading. He believes that there is a, a yet there is as yet undiscovered evidence of the basic spiritual laws of life, for instance, the effect that prayer has in helping and healing. He has endowed research in that field at Harvard University. He is critical of scientists and many religious leaders who look only to traditional ideas and the scriptures to find truth and not to science and the future. He firmly believes that theology should make progress, just as science does. I have admiration for all religions, but no human being knows yet even 1% of the totality of God. I agree with this. He has said his spirit, his quest for spiritual answers is not some new hobby. In his youth, he thought he would become a missionary. By college, he realized that he had a special talent. He soon learned that he was better than most people at investing money. He said, it seemed to me that people were making investments based on emotion and ignorance and not common sense. In the 1940s, he started a group of mutual funds to manage other people's money. In those days, mutual funds were a relatively new concept. Templeton honed that concept into one of the most important investment concepts existing today. He reminisced that the that at the Templeton Growth Fund's first annual meeting, the participants consisted of himself and one part-time employee and one shareholder. We held the meeting in the dining room of a retired General Foods executive to save money. The Templeton Fund now has more than 600 employees worldwide and $36 billion in assets. And this was like 60 years ago. I'm sure, sure it's worth well over this now. He commented that the amount that Americans have invested in mutual funds is a thousand times as great as the year he began. A $10,000 investment in Templeton growth 40 years ago is worth several millions today. By the time he retired and sold his Templeton Group fund interest in 1992, estimated at $400 million, he had helped more than a million people make money. And um, again, just so that you guys are aware, while this book was written, um, mm, while Dr. Joseph Murphy wrote a lot of these, it's, it wasn't a book when he wrote it. It was more his lectures, lectures, I'm sorry, lectures and papers. This was bound together as a book with commentary by someone else. So that's why you hear, you know, 1992 and things like that. During the year, the years he was engaged in building his business, he had not neglected his spiritual interests. He sought out scientists and the theologians to study the relationships between science and religion. He established the annual Templeton Prize for Progress in religion in 1972 to honor individuals who made religion an active moral force. The winner gets more than a million dollars. Templeton makes sure it always pays more than the Nobel Prize to make the point that religion is at least as important as the arts and scientists. 
I'm sorry, arts and sciences. In setting up the prize, Templeton said the greatest realities in the universe are spiritual, but people often are so immersed in the immediate material environment that they don't realize the vastly larger, more powerful dimension. The award aimed to focus attention on fresh and pioneering advances in our knowledge of God and understanding of the meaning and purpose of life. Some of the most creative and stimulating insights of our age are are in the spiritual area, Templeton said. It's illogical for discoveries of the spirit to be ignored in preference to discoveries in physical science. Some of the winners of the Templeton Prize have been Mother Teresa and Billy Graham. And Billy Graham is a preacher. In his book, The Humble Approach, he wrote, The key to, to progress in religion or science is humility. Humility is the gateway of knowledge. To learn more, we must first realize how little we already know. The more we know, the more we know. We do not know. Okay, he's saying the more we know, the more we know we do not know. Okay, this is what gives life its spice. Okay, so we're going to stop here because we're at like 40 minutes. And we'll pick this back up on Thursday. So I I did just want to say that the biggest part of this first section that we re- read that kind of resonated with me is paying the price. And um, a lot of times um, it just shows me that a lot of people know. Like it's so many things. It's so much knowledge out here right now. It's so many books that you can just pick up and read. The price is not hard and it's not heavy. It is just your willingness to change your mindset. It really is. And there, like I keep telling you, there are three ways that if you put them together, it will work so well for you. Meditation, affirmations, visualization, those three things will work so well. And to wrap it all up in a gratitude bow, do not ever neglect gratitude. Don't ever neglect gratitude. So for me and what I am telling you guys, add these things to your arsenal. They will help change your mindset. I promise you. Thank you guys for listening. I really appreciate you every time you click on my one of my um, episodes to listen in. I appreciate you guys. Don't forget to add gratitude as a daily practice in your life. I promise you your life will change once you add the daily practice of gratitude. You guys have a blessed day. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Babes Who Manifest podcast. I am your host, Luanza, aka The Gratitude Chick. Don't forget to subscribe and give my podcast five stars. If you have not already, join my Facebook group, Babes Who Manifest. Thank you.